0: It's gonna be continued evolution. We're trying to figure out what we wanna prioritize and knock down, and people are gonna be getting better at at sort of figuring out what that next step is, taking that next step and then having the plan for step two, three, and four. We're gonna continue to get faster in in a lot of these companies. And so they're gonna figure out, one way or another, how to get that velocity of change moving and, and get better at responding to it as opposed to it catching fire.
1: Welcome to another Conversations with Des. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. And today in the studio, I have the pleasure of being joined by David Myers. Hi, David. How are you? Welcome to the show.
0: Have a good morning for you, uh, Des. Wonderful you. afternoon here in the U.S.
1: Thank you. Yes, I should actually, uh, as always, uh, I highlight kind of where people dialed in. So from here in Sydney this week, uh, managed to spend a week at home, thankfully, uh, after a bit of travel. And you're in the U.S. Uh, really appreciate you making time So. David, uh, I understand your role, and I'll break this down in a couple of pieces because it's a mouthful and it'll be a fun challenge to get on a business card, I'm sure, but uh, I have you down here as the uh, advisor for product management and marketing strategy on one side of, uh, of the world, and then uh, offering manager for intelligent operations and automation uh, at Broadcom.
0: Did I get that right? You, you got that right. Um, you know, and it's sort of a product management role. There's a, there's a witticism in product management where if someone's not doing the job, it's the product manager's job. So get a bunch of stuff that sort of rolls up my way, um, you know, on any given day, I'm just trying to figure out what's the fire I have to quash and or who do I have to help figure out how to unblock something or move it forward. So,
1: wow. Well, I'd love to get into that role in a minute uh, and, and sort of unbundle it for uh, listeners just to kind of get their head around that a bit more. But uh, I think you've gotten a good start there. You've had an interesting background uh, just reading through what you've up to, some interesting roles around um, um, inside IBM and other companies, which uh, I'd love to hear about, but um uh, before we kick off, I wonder if you'd mind, uh, I love getting my guests to kind of just give us a little insight into their personal life and their career path and how they sort of academic path, how they came to this particular role. Um, I wonder if we can give you to, get you to give us a, a little 30-second summary of kind of where you're originally from, where you grew up, um, any insights around your academic uh, path and your career path and how you came into this exciting role.
0: Sure. Um, so I, I grew up outside of Washington, D.C., here in the States, um, but now I live in North Carolina. I actually live on a farm outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. My, my wife one day said she wanted to homestead. So we got about 11 or so acres outside the city. Uh, so on any given day, I go home, feed the chickens, maybe catch a six-foot black snake and figure out what to do with that, and then come to work the next day. Wow. Um, so uh, in terms of my, my career path, uh, I went to Virginia Tech um, on the East Coast. I uh, majored in computer science. Uh, originally, felt like being an architect, but figured out I liked to code. So I got a master's from there in computer science. Uh, thesis was in a web-based application architectures. So you know it was up and coming at the time. And uh, got a job at IBM. I was a developer, a tester. They figured out I was semi-articulate, and I got a job as a product manager, being able to go out and talk to customers. You know, traveled all over the world, uh, made my way to Hong Kong, down into you know Australia land, uh, over into Europe, through through Asia, South America, talking to all kinds of customers. Tend to focus on the big ones, um, the the big Fortune one thousand companies that are out there. Uh, talk a lot about hybrid IT and what's going on with mainframe and distributed, and now reaching out into cloud. So I've, I've sort of been all over the place. Uh, I've done software development. I've done the operations side. I've worked on the application side, mainly sticking with software. But I do some hardware, too. So I, I tend to be all over the place for good or bad. Uh, broad, deep in a couple of places, but lots of experience in different areas.
1: Well, that's why you can carry such a, uh, a heady title, then, because uh, uh, as we were talking off air a moment ago before we hit record, uh, I was I was seriously impressed with the uh, the breadth and the depth of your background and 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 as you've just highlighted now your amazing global travel and I'm I'm hoping that you'll come back to Australia again soon I can uh, catch up with you in person but uh, the 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 title which I, I can't imagine how uh, the team get it on your business card but uh, advisor across product management and marketing strategy is a, is a job in itself I can imagine and then the other side around sort of heading up offering manager uh, uh, I guess is uh, intelligent operations automation you know that that itself is another whole. A separate role, and so I'd love to hear what a day in the life of uh, David Myers is like, juggling that, and and some of the challenges you you're dealing with on a regular basis. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm glad you can you can understand how those really are two things we're trying to mold together, right? <laughs> um, so on, on on any given day, you know, a lot of it on that first half, it, it's really about talking to customers to to listen to what they're saying, right? So it's It's about understanding what's going on it It's a lot of research. It's understanding what competition is going out there, how customers are reacting, what their problems are and and figuring out what are the kind of solutions that are out there in terms of how people are progressing past those inhibitors um, and so it, it's a lot of sort of sucking in to the brain and then sitting there in your windshield time or your shower time and filtering it all out and figuring out how to. Connects different things and different points, and where we think that we can actually add some value, or where we think we can differentiate. Right, but it, it, it seems in that second part, the offering manager bits, in terms of, you know, once you sort of get all that connection in your head, and you can sort of draw the pictures and the diagrams on the whiteboard, it's what what do we do about it? You know, how do we talk to the market? How do we explain how we're doing? You know, our solutions to customers. You know, how can we actually get engineers to understand what the heck we're talking about and how we're trying to solve some of this and or how do we leverage all those different bits and pieces that we have across the company to to put together something which improves our, our customers lives so it's a lot of collaboration it's it's a lot of thinking time if, if you're doing it right you know every once in a while you get those spikes in workload where i've recently tried a new task management system seems to be my thing As always trying a new one never get one that's quite right But yeah, 27 different deliverables happening all at the same time, trying to figure out which one is the priority and getting it out the door, uh, sharing that with everybody. So it's really collaborative, which is the element that I like. It's trying to analyze and figure out what's going on and what's your angle into it uh, and, and helping get the rest of the organization understanding that in a way that not just you being articulate, but can you enable other people to be articulate as well. So I I think it's a lot of fun. Um, It's very challenging. You know, it's one of those um, leader without actual authority kind of roles that's always interesting to to play in. Right. Yeah. It's some days it's very um, what's the word? Some days it's a lot of it's a lot of enthusiasm. And some days it's beating your head against the wall, which is why can't they execute to this thing that is so clear in my head? So (laughs) it's. I, it's back and forth
1: right i did notice there was a note uh, and thank you for the brief you sent me you mentioned you're a narrow caster who prefers face to face and uh, i can relate to that I, I sometimes uh you know you walk in the room and someone hands you a whiteboard marker and says perform jedi mind tricks and you know it, you're just like oh really um but yes although i can relate to the uh, banging the head against the wall occasionally it, sometimes that's actually a good exercise because uh Someone often orders, yep. someone quoted me once and they said uh, they, they like banging their head against a wall. And I was like, really? Why is this? Because it feels so good when I stop. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a pretty funny uh, way to look at it. <laughs>
0: You know, I, I, I try to be an optimist best I can. Right. And you know, the thing you always learn best from is failure. Right. Absolutely. And so it's one of those things in the corporate world, like, you know, how can you take failure as a good thing, as opposed to a bad thing That's some of my mantra, as, as much as I beat myself up for not getting it right. You know, it's, this is a learning experience and yes, it feels so good when you either get your head through the wall or you stop. So,
1: Absolutely. Well, it's, it's in many ways I think uh, uh and and you know when I when I look at some of the stuff you've been doing around uh, you know your patent around uh, I think it was focused on debugging and automating and recreating problems and so forth and some of the stuff you've been doing around uh, I mean everything including your uh, your degree you've you've literally been living devops fell and fell fast by the sounds of things your whole life and now it's become a thing which is probably pretty funny to see happen. Um but yeah, I could, I can imagine that uh, it would be an interesting challenge. Blending the two things that you've got there, which are, which I think are actually you know in high demand in so many ways that we could do a whole show on the on your job title itself, but understanding that product component and where the market strategy needs to go from the business side of things as far as Broadcom goes, but also understanding the market and where people want to go as organisations as customers. I mean that's a really neat juggle. Um, and then the whole other end of things is sort of the the, the drive towards automation and intelligent operations—you know that's another whole vertical. That must be a really fun challenge. And it kind of brings me to one of the topics I'd love to, for us to chat in a second. And that is the whole challenge of digital transformation that people are facing now. Where, th- when they look at some of these challenges that you're you're working with on a day to day basis around strategically, where are we going? Not so much just as Broadcom, but also the industry and the market and some of those. Uh, Fortune uh, 1000 and probably Fortune 500, Fortune 50s, I imagine you deal with. Um, what can you tell us about what's happening in this whole world that you deal with on a day-to-day basis? Because you're literally at the bleeding edge and uh, the coal fi- face, as it were, of this stuff. When, when we think about digital transformation and its influence on, on enterprise IT, I mean, what are you seeing on a regular basis? What are customers talking to you about? What challenges are they facing? What sort of trends are you picking up on? What's happening out in the world in that space?
0: I, I see it as sort of just. I mean, we're continuing to increment on, on the way that we've been talking about the way we should work. You know, more and more, right? So a lot of it in terms of enterprise IT is we're 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 on the, the the coattails, right? That the business is the one that's really driving, and on the business side, you know, a lot of these companies, like in the financial sector, right? All these fintechs are coming up. And people are trying to figure out, is, is this someone I cooperate with, or is it someone I compete with? right? Everybody out there is, is concerned about getting disrupted in their ways of working. Right. And you know, I mean, these bigger companies, they have, they have massive they have a huge mass that they can use to their advantage, but it, it's slow. And so a lot of what people are trying to do is figure out how can I drive more efficiency, how can I move investment into the right place? How can I use all this data that we've been building up over the long number of years that we've been around to to outwit, to outfox, to to outmaneuver all, all these little nimble sort of you know guppies that are swimming around are, around our, our ankles, right? And some of that's bleeding back into IT. You know, the, this is where DevOps really started to to come up, come along, it, it, and, and Agile, right? Whether you consider those the same thing or different, it, it's all sort of the same goal. It's how do we get more efficient? How do we get better velocity? How can we get to market faster? And now it's starting to expand out and really talk about decision making. You know, you know the, the rise of AI, the rise of big data, the rise of analytics. People have used that sort of on the business side. And now we're looking at how do we apply some of that to the way we make decisions and how do we transform the way we're working in IT using some of the same technologies, just different applications. So I think, you know, in general, people are looking for how do I get faster? How do I get more efficient? How do I get more effective in terms of not making as many mistakes or, like you were saying, failing fast and then recovering as fast as I can? But it's all in response. To this competition that's out there you know everybody's fighting for the dollars either the australian or the u.s yeah. right for for coming in that to their business you know the, the the thing that's really spurring a lot of this forward it's you know citibank competing with hsbc for who's going to actually get that that account or who's going to actually you know you know get that customer and engage that customer so while the business is out there trying to figure that out, they're, they're moving a lot towards you know, how do we create no you know, not just products but experiences? How do we transform the way that we're engaging with the customers that we're targeting and the ones that we have to keep them? That's a very consistent conversation at the executive level, right? It's how do I get new business in? How do I shine better than the people standing next to me? And how do I keep those that I have so that I can continue ratcheting things up? And, and IT just has to find a way to support that, given all the factors that are that are coming through. Right? Its budgets aren't going up, but you know, the the way we have to react to all these, we have to go faster. New applications are coming in. New technologies are coming around. It, it, it's it, a lot of it's the same thing that's been happening for 20 years. It's just the cycles are compressing and compressing and compressing. Yeah, the velocity definitely. and being able to drive changes faster. That that that's really the, the the key thing that's that's changing. It you know it, it used to be ten years and now it's ten months.
1: Yeah, that's definitely so that, a theme a I'm seeing of brain, out there. It
0: was a bunch of brain dump. I'm sorry on that. No, it, the, it's was, perfect. Okay.
1: In fact, uh, one, one of the things you said that was something that jogged to memory for me. With uh, mine to me was um, I'm hearing a lot of people tell me that uh, often it's not even just their competitors that they're being disrupted, but but their their customers. And uh, there's a lot of talk now in various industries, particularly the financial services and telco, where there's, there's even more rapid uh, disruption taking place, uh, and in retail yep. as well, that people are saying, look, you know, it's one thing where 10, 15 years ago we were worried about our direct competitors, you know, bank one versus bank two, or airline one versus airline two. But a lot of people are saying now that, they're, they're, as you're, in, you're saying, you're saying that the, um, the, the, the pace has increased, the rate of changes has increased, the breadth and depth of things that are changing are just a tsunami of change someone described it the other day to me. But what she said to me she's like and she's the head of a global bank. She said, My biggest problem is not my competitors, it's my customers in that I love them, but the disruption they're asking for is challenging us in ways that we, we don't even have a vocabulary for yet. Uh is that something you're seeing as well? I imagine you are that customer companies that you're working with at the scale and the size that you work with, they they have, as you said, that, that multi decade transformation that's taking place that's now having to happen in months or days or hours. It's their competitors in the industry and the shift in the industry, as you said, well, like the fintechs or the dev techs and martech and so forth and, you know, ad tech to anything is a disruption. But is it also the case you're seeing people saying that our consumers, our customers are requesting change and transformation that we consider a, a disruption that we're having to deal with as well?
0: You know, I, I have this slide that I, that I use sparingly that, that says, you know, if it weren't for the dang customers, everything would be fine. (laughs) Um, It's sort of like that, right? I mean, if if, if you, if you listen to the analysts, whether it's, it's Gartner and they're talking about their, their, I forget what it's called, forces of something, or you're talking about IDC and you're talking about the third platform or, or you're talking about, you know, whatever IBM calls it nowadays, you know, it's, the, the, these technologies like mobile and social, those, those are really being pressed on by by the customers, right? I mean, five years ago, you would never imagine someone complaining on some website and that driving actual behavior back back in your back in your yeah. in your back office, yeah. you know, the next day, right? Like, I, I was listening to an interview uh, podcast yesterday with um, John Gruber from Daring Fireball. Oh, yeah, And he was saying, like, I believe that I actually was the one who got Fave Icons implemented in Safari because I complained about it. And then, like, all these followers started to, like, retweet the thing. And the next release, it came out. They've been fighting it for 10 years. Right. <laughs> and so I, I think it's just like the, the speed of feedback. That's awesome. In terms of those sort of channels. Right. That's really impacting what's going on. Uh, And you'll, you'll see that in, in the way that some of these market products are coming about, like experience analytics, like everyone's trying to figure out sentiment analysis. You know, it's, I'm trying to figure out if my customers are upset so that I can reach out and make them happy before they can actually influence others to, to, you know, look at my business badly. Right. Yeah, Yeah. So there's, there's that element of it in terms of the The desire to get customers happy and keep them happy so that that bad flavor doesn't sort of spill out there there's a huge element of that, right and that that network effect of being able to refer and being able to you know cajole people that you have via you know referral bonuses there that, there's a big element there. But there's also the the you know the replatformization into like the, the mobile the mobile side of things, right? In terms of, you know, I go to my bank because they have an awesome mobile app, right? I don't want to have to go to that that old dodgy one where it's down every Sunday for maintenance. There there's those elements where the customer is actually driving the business to change sort of that that outbound nature of things, and that bleeds back into what's traditionally sort of that enterprise IT, you know, the, the the, the weird nerds in the basement with the big machines, right, is things are constantly adapting to try and, and keep up with those, those needs on the front end is, is a lot of what I'm seeing. And especially in the way that we're now transforming that sort of front end of the business, you know, that the new storefront is that mobile phone, you know, the, the, new, the, the new way of communicating is I tweet when I need to actually, you know, get, get someone's attention instead of just calling into a call center. It's just much more transparent and much more exposed, but that's bleeding back into you know how do we open up these systems and how do we secure them and how do we actually make it so that we can react faster and, and get the data that people need or the, the transactions exposed in the right places. That, that's, there's a push and a pull from the front to the back that, that's, that's really interesting to watch, too.
1: Oh, it is, and it, it's changing a lot of jobs. Uh, you know, we, we've now got chief data officers who think about nothing but data. Yep. We used to think that was a sort of database admin thing, but we've got chief governance officers and chief compliance officers, which you know, some people poo-poo them, but I'm, I'm a big fan of having these specific roles because they are real issues that we've got to deliver and manage, and someone has to own that challenge. But, uh, yeah, look, I, I, I fall into a bunch of those categories. I, uh, I stopped dialing into phone systems to complain about people and sit on hold uh, whether it's my phone company or whatever the case may be. Um, I just refuse yep. to do it now. And, and, you know, I'm at the grand old age of 51. I just refuse to dial into interactive voice recordings. I don't like chatbots. Um, and so uh, about 100% of the time, in fact, I will I will tag someone very politely and I'm never rude. Uh, I know they're just doing a job as well, but I will tag one saying, you know, dear, insert name of brand, um, having this issue, can you DM me and, you know, to their credit, a lot of brands now are doing that, saying, yeah, sure, and they they pop you into a DM and you chat, and as far as they're concerned, they're talking to you the same they would whether it's uh, in person or on a web chat bot or a web page forum or whatever the case may be, and they're solving problems. I think they're the ones that are really getting ahead of the game. Um, the ones that are not aware, they're sort of, you know, and I hate to say it, but a lot of state government agencies still in Australia are stuck in this space, but they're, they're getting better where they say, you know, you've got to go into a branch and you've got to take in these forms and print it out. And it's just like, I'm just not doing that. Um, but yep. I think that, you know, Same the, here in the, States. the companies who are not doing that, um, in many ways, I think they've kind of, you know, what they've missed, and I, I, I hope folk listening take this with the, with the greatest respect, is that this is not really something hard to implement. I mean, these days, you can buy off-the-shelf systems that integrate Social media and other platforms into your your CRMs and so forth and your help desks it 's just a plug in these days, um, but I, I did love your point about the change of the user interface because i 'm in the same boat you know if when I book an airline ticket now, I just do it on my phone, I do it with my app, and you know uh, whether it 's you know, my favorite airlines of Qantas and emirates they 've got apps, I just do it online and it happens and I get an automated email as a fallback, which I don't mind. You know, I don't mind the fact that they still use email for the verification because they've got to attach a PDF to that. It doesn't work while doing that through the app. Um, But I I actually had a funny moment the other day where I had to replace a credit card. Somebody at a store just swiped it through the machine and bent it and it cracked and and the chip stopped working. Hmm. Uh, And that whole tap and go experience wasn't available. So I thought, I'll just stop and go to my bank. and. I didn't recognize the building. It was, it was like an Apple store. There were no tellers. There were just people walking around with iPads and, uh, or tablets of some form. And they solved my problem in minutes. And I was like, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm, this is a good or a bad thing. And I don't feel comfortable walking into a bank where there's just no tellers, no glass windows, no, you know, avoid being robbed. It was all shiny lights. So I literally felt like I would walked into sort of a, a modern retail store. But the experience was fantastic. You know, people walk up to me and ask me how my day was. They quickly ask me my details to confirm I had an account. and I think five or six minutes I was out there with a new card. And it was like, wow, they made it on the spot. Yep. Um, you know, wow. I hadn't had been banked for 10 years. You know, in, my, in my mind I had this mental image of going in and lining up and getting a form and filling it in with a little pen attached to a chain that had had stolen and lining up at a glass counter that was designed to not be robbed with a gun. None of that existed anymore. It's like, holy, caboose, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, underpinning all that, you, you mentioned something interesting around uh, sentiment analysis and, and particularly, I guess, that intelligence and those insights we can get now. I'm interested to get your take on where you see the market with things like automation and particularly artificial intelligence and leveraging that. And, and you know, uh, you had a neat comment in your notes back to me uh, with regard to, you know, are we seeing now the rise of a new overlord and the you know, Skynet saviour? Or is it really just part of the... The, the in-step and in-pace stuff we're seeing every day now that, you know, as people have with their phones, they can talk to a smart agent. It doesn't necessarily have a conversation back with them yet, but it will do. But um, – and, and I know that when I'm talking to people on Twitter occasionally, there is a little bit of a, a smart chat bot feature there until it qualifies what I need to do with a human – where are you seeing this currently in the market? I mean, where are we at currently as far as you're concerned? Where have we come from? You know, what, what's the current state? Love to get your insights on kind of that whole automation challenge because it's obviously part of your remit, um, and specifically the artificial intelligence component of it because we're not really talking about here; uh, uh, you know, We're talking about machine intelligence. What's your general sense of where we're at and, and, and how far have we come so far as far as what you're dealing with in your world at Broadcom?
0: So at least to me, right? When, when we're talking about artificial intelligence, where we're trying to get to is that some machine makes some decision somewhere and, and then tries to drive some execution on that, right? And, and that's pretty far from where we are in a lot of places, right. but there, there's some rudimentary systems that do that, right? And I, I correlate that then to customer conversations that I have, which is look, I just want a better dashboard, right? There's sort of two ends of the dichotomy, which is, you know, I want the thing to do it for me, and then there's, I just want it to be, I have all the data, I just want it to be pretty. And so a lot of this, I I equate back to a conversation I had a few years ago, which is right around when big data was coming up, and they're like, you know, we have all these dollars and budgets flowing into big data, but what people really are looking for is just, you know, Cleansing the stuff they already have in a way that they can actually make sense of it. Right, and so I, I think there's there's a there's a lot of draw to the, these bigger things. You know, whether it says, hey, you're going to implement chatbots and and go back and forth, where people honestly want are taking the next steps are are really sim- simple sort of A B C D you know increments. Right. the The analogy that we that we tend to use out of at least my presentations here at Broadcom is we talk about the self driving car. You know, we, we walk in and we say, OK, how many people here have heard about the self-driving car? And everybody raises their hand. Okay, How many people would actually step into one? And maybe one person raises their hand. There's not a lot of trust there in terms of letting the car sort of take over. But we talk about, you know, building up to that. Even the car companies are saying that's a 2025 kind of thing, unless you're Tesla and they're marketing, hey, we can do it right now sort of if you want to get a car crash. <laughs> the other day,
1: right? Yeah.
0: Um, talk about it's the progression. You know, it's, it's going from, you know, stick shift to, to an automated automatic transmission, right? You know, people didn't necessarily trust the automatic transmission when it first came out, but now it's sort of the thing that everybody's used to. And I might, I might not even teach my daughter how to use stick shift unless she really wants to. But we talk about all these sort of newfangled technologies coming on, such as you know that that blind spot assist. Like I just I just bought a new car the other day, and it has that little flashing light where if you're going to veer into the other lane, that you know it starts to flash. Right. Um, there's annoying side effects to that, which is for I've noticed that you know it it, it beeps any time that I sort of go over the line. I've noticed beeping a lot, and I'm trying to figure out is that my driving or is that just the road. So. Um, there's those kind of steps that we go through, and you go through these sort of driver assist kind of things where the machine is here to really help you make a decision. Where I hear a lot around from our customers is the first step is really where they're stuck, which is just gathering all the different things together. We have all these disparate sort of data sets and all these disparate data sources, and, and I spend a bunch of my time just sort of getting a the, the query on A to B to C to D sort of connected before I even really start to ask questions and understand Um, so we, you know, we, we walk through things like, you know, what's the equivalent of a parking assist? You know, we, we go over to the, I think it was Ford had the the car ad, which said, Hey, look, you know, it will parallel park itself. You know, these kind of automation assistants in these small sort of tasks that, I think that's what people are really looking for now, right? It's There's these things that I do every day, and I do it five or six times a day. How can I have something make my life better by taking some of this drudge work off, off my plate? Uh, to go back to like what I mentioned a while ago, which is how do I get that thinking time? How do I get time to figure out what I should be working on? How do I figure out what I need to design next? You know, I, I think where we are with AI is, is right around that level which is, it's there in terms of augmenting the things that you do every day and trying to make what you do either better, uh, faster, cheaper, more productive, when you're talking about enterprise IT, or when you're talking about the consumer space, you know, it, it's really some, some of those simplistic sort of actions, right, it's, you know, I have a question, I just want to get an answer, right? Pe- people equate Google to something like the, the AI in the cloud, it's amazing that it can come back with the answer that you're looking for based on the gobbledygook that you just put into that search bar, right? So I think we're sort of far away from that Skynet, Lord and Savior sort of thing, right? Uh, No one's really taking over. I think a lot of trust has to be built in the system, and you'll see that in a lot of the conversations, whether that's, google talking about their ai ethics board or like new regulations coming out around you know, being able to drive permissions on what these things are allowed to do or not i i don't think we're anywhere near their technology wise yet in a majority of cases but people are starting to get worried and the technologists are starting to come up with ways to make people feel better about what may be coming five six seven ten years in the future right
1: yeah definitely
0: so, uh, I, for me, that's what it looks like, is ultimately we want these things to drive decisions for us, but we have to get really comfortable before we get there. And so we're taking these sort of small steps on, like, I don't want to even crane my neck to the left to see if someone's in my blind spot. I just want a little light to tell me if it's there. That, that's the kind of stuff I think we're looking at right now.
1: Yeah, I um I once made a joke in a keynote I did where um, someone in the Q&A section said, you know, what's the dumbest version of uh, uh, sort of, you know, AI that you could uh, relate to. And I said, well, it's not really artificial intelligence, but like, when was the last time you blinked when uh, uh, spell, spelling and uh, autocorrection and word processors happened? And they're like, oh, okay. And I said, we just assume that spell correct or autocorrect uh, spelling errors and grammar error happens in a word processor now, but it also happens when I'm typing in my phone and wherever I am. And even when I'm typing something on social media, my browser says, oh, that's spelled wrong and highlights it. I just assume that happens yep. now, and, and yet there was a time when I was a teenager that I tried to teach my mum how to do some word processing and save it to a file and then get out of the word processor and get into a spell check document and have it look up in a dictionary and I thought that was pretty cool you know and nowadays I just assume that things are going to correct my spelling if i 'm typing quickly um, so yeah, I, I think you're absolutely bang on the money there with regard to the fact that we 're going to get to the point where we 're just assuming that intelligence is built in, and I think we 're now seeing that as you indicated in the consumer space but in many ways, I'm seeing it at the other end, and I'm sure you're seeing this as well. I'm keen to get your thoughts on this, and that is that um, it's one thing as a consumer to assume that things like spell check happen, but uh, that, or, or you know, intelligent devices like cars are telling us we're out of the lane. Uh, I had a funny moment where, um, and I'd seen this in an article somewhere. I can't remember what it was. I think it might be Wired magazine. I went to a demo. I won't say who because uh, it's a bit of an NDA thing. But I went to a demo of a car with one of those self parking things before it came out, and they were like, you know, this is a great thing. It can't be beaten. Um, and I'd, i prepared for this. So I'd, I'd actually taken one of those spray cans of chalk paint and I drew a circle around the car and the car didn't move. Um, and they, were, <laughs> they were, they were annoyed because they had to move it a half a block up the street to do the demo again. Um, but I just wanted to highlight that, you know, that it's a great system, but you know, if it thinks the roads all around it, it's going to do the right thing and stay still. Um, so I think there's a lot of those caveats, but I, I think in, in the, you know, you talked about dashboards and big data. I mean, people uh, now sort of the point where big data is part of the vocab they just want better data they want those dashboards to work yep. um, you know I, I, I like the idea that spreadsheets are going to go away and we're going to move to dashboards because we can just point at data and we don't have to spreadsheet it it'll know what to do with it um, but I'm also seeing at the back end now when we sort of look at what people are doing with their mainframe environments what they're doing with their database environments what they're doing with their uh, monitoring and, and so forth, That a lot of that's getting automated, that, you know, the machine heals itself. Um, and uh, we're seeing a lot of this um, transformation now in the back end where, you know, not only are the manufacturers making the machine smarter, um, you know, the IBMs of the world making things like, you know, the, the switch fabric, the, the compute fabric inside their big iron are smarter and it can self-heal. But the tools we deploy on them are smarter, and we're certainly seeing this in networks. We've certainly seen it with the internet, with, you know, border gateway protocol can route around... Uh, uh, you know well, I guess the internet was route, designed to route round atomic war, um, but you must be seeing this where companies are sort of saying that 's one thing as we say to talk about the consumer front end where we 're assuming that things are intelligent and we 're assuming that there 's some some smarts and things like smart cars. But at the other end of the spectrum, uh, what are you seeing around what people are doing with their infrastructure and their big iron and, and some of the the, the flashing lights part of the world that you're dealing with, because you, you're at both ends of the spectrum, I imagine you've got strategic direction, as far as the front end goes for the consumer you're talking about, but as far as the end user space goes, but you must also have a foot in the camp of how's our big iron running and what tools can we put in place to, to, to provide automation and, and, and better operational support in there and, and how do we leverage machine learning and artificial intelligence.
0: Yeah, I, a lot of the conversations that we have, like I've, I've gone to multiple clients where they're they have they have the initiative, right? And the initiative is automate everything, right? Automate as much as we can. And a lot of that's not coming from an experience perspective. A lot of that's coming in terms of delivering a customer experience. A lot of that's just coming from necessity right it's we're seeing more workload come in, we're seeing more queries, we're seeing more transactions we're seeing more data we're seeing more performance requests we're seeing you know faster, better, cheaper coming down from on high, but we're not seeing resources come in to to, to make it happen right so it, 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 the typical sort of do more with less whip that, that everybody's hitting right and and just like you were saying, I think a lot of people are looking for how can we take some of those those I call them drudge tasks right but it's how can we make things more self-managing right there there's there's things that we know where if there's simple situations if you see x sort of you know reset reset the router right if if this port is full move it to the next port and over time we've got enough sort of domain knowledge on what these sort of scenarios are that, that we've sort of built them into the system themselves um and I, 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 when I talk about it with clients, I really talk about sort of three three different layers, right? So there there's one which is what I call calling con- convergent, and that is I sort of know what the ideal state of this thing should be, right? I know how much compute I want to allocate to this this node in the cloud, right? Or I know how much throughput and capacity that I, that I need, and I just want it to do it for me, right? Like I, I was talking to some client the other day where they say I have. You know, three thousand different people, and they spend eighty percent of their time patching and configuring things. It, it's that kind of scenario where it you know sort of where you want to get to, but but auto, automation can help you get there faster, right? I, I think there's a second piece of it which I call directed, which is it, it's not that I want to get somewhere, it, it's that I want to get there a specific way, and, and I try and compare and contrast these, right? Where it's you know you you're you're in you're in Australia and you want to go to a you want to go on vacation to uh, Singapore at some level, you know, convergent means I don't care. how I get to Singapore. I just want to get there as cheap as possible, as fast as possible. You know, you may end up on a boat, you may end up in a plane, but you're getting to your goal versus the directed way of of thinking it's, you know, I want to get to Singapore and I care that I'm going to make a stop in, in, you know, Perth, or I'm going to make a stop in in Indonesia. Right. It's I have a certain sequence of things I want to go to, to, to get there, that's where a lot of the automation is coming up to now. It's that I'm, you know, that, that first one I mentioned around that ideal state that's great for sort of individual routers or individual pieces of infrastructure or, or even individual, you know, servers or, or individual pieces of middleware. Like, you know how to configure it the right way to get to what you want to get to. When it veers off course, gently nudge it back. That, that middle ground around how things interact. That's where a lot of the problems are coming up now. It's you know how does the mainframe interact with that weird cloud thing that we never designed for, right? How do we see that there's connection between them, and I have to do some automation at a higher level to figure out you know do A and then B and then C and then D because if I don't, then things are going to fall on their face. Absolutely. So th- those are the kind of those are the kind of it's it, those I mean, th- those complex issues around. relationships and dependencies and impacts and understanding when I put my finger in the dike here, what might pop out half a mile down the road. Those are the things that are getting really difficult. And those are the things I think people are looking for AI to sort of help with. But those are the things that we have to get our minds wrapped around with first before we really open it up to AI performing those kind of things. So I think we 're getting some of those lower level bits and pieces you know put together in terms of self healing individual bit you know pieces, but now that we 're sort of connecting up pieces of the puzzle into that bigger system, that's where we're still trying to figure out exactly what we need to do. does that make sense
1: no, absolutely, and that brings me to my next question for you uh, which is you know this whole view of um, this challenge of moving up the maturity curve by actually adopting technology because a lot of what you're talking about there is sort of you know the, going from those foundational components of making the infrastructure smarter and you know, as we move to software-defined infrastructure and software-defined X um, we can now do that because you know, cloud models allow us to uh, codify a lot of stuff in a physical sense that you know, we're not really moving RJ45 ports and network switches anymore we're doing network function virtualization right. um, and you know the, the technologies like 5G and network slicing are going to make all that much more possible and faster but there was an interesting point we talked about earlier, and, and and I guess you phrased it as moving up the maturity curve by adopting technology. Um, and I, uh, one of the things you, you mentioned there is that it, it allows us to sort of look at new ways of working. I'd love to get your thoughts on kind of how this whole transformation to leveraging machine learning and, and automation and I guess the whole remit of artificial intelligence or machine intelligence, as I tend to call it, um, where does that put us as far as the, the maturity curve goes? I mean, as we adopt these technologies, as we put them into play, um, where do you see us currently in this journey of sort of moving up this maturity curve of adopting technology and making new ways of, of working possible? Uh, you know, allowing people to focus more on, on on particular tasks or allowing companies to focus on their core business. Because uh, I see this a lot, where you know banks say to me, "I just want to be a bank, but I have to be an IT shop first, and then a bank <laughs> second, right? Um, or telcos now are saying, "Well, you know, finally I can start to look at outsourcing some of the the things that we do as a telco to a cloud." Leveled somewhere uh, to various brands as opposed to having to actually do the nuts and bolts where where are we at in your view, and, and I guess in your remit and broadcom, where are we at in the whole challenge of moving up the maturity curve and, and the whole adoption of technology that makes new ways of working possible
0: so so I think there's there's one interesting discussion to have which you know, I guess what, what I've observed and learned over time, right? Like if, if you come up with a maturity curve and you sort of put it up in front of someone, there's two things that happen, right? There's number one, they look around and they try and figure out where they are. And then there's then there's the next thing, which is how am I going to get to that level five, right? I want to be an optimizer or whatever that level five happens to be, right? And I think a lot of times people are impatient. They, they want to jump up as fast as they can. But if you jump up too fast – it actually is to your detriment, right? If if you don't, I I liked what you said before about those foundational elements, right? If you don't build up your way there, you're actually going to start ping-ponging, right? Some of you may may be jumping all the way up into the place you want to be, but then you fall back down and you jump back up and you fall back down. So I I guess where where I'm looking at and where I'm trying to help our customers figure out what they need to do, there's that bit about establishing what that goal is, but then there's really the conversation comes up, which is, you know, where do I start and, and what do I do next? And so there's establishing that goal. There's figuring out where you are and there's figuring out what that right piece of technology is to take you to that next step. Because if you jump from step one to three, you're you you're missing out on step two and something could crumble underneath you. Right. So, I mean, I, I, let's take it back to that conversation that I had we had earlier around, I just want better dashboards, right? So I, a lot of people are here saying, like, I just want the machine to figure out what exactly is wrong and what the root cause of all these things are. I want I want it to bring the intelligence to me. And it's like, that's great. You know, we, we can try and implement a system that does that. But if it doesn't understand how you actually have things structured, it, it's going to give you a lot of bad advice. And then you're not going to trust it, and you're going to fall back to the way that, that you want to go. So a lot of it is uh, my time is trying to figure out, is spent on trying to figure out how do we figure out where exactly you are and, and what right, is that right next step for you, right? And especially in, in the corporate IT, the enterprise IT sense, right? These are complex organizations. We, we have politics and fiefdoms. We have different people with different goals and different concerns. There, there's that element of it where, you know, are you talking about adopting this in a single project in a single vertical in a single part of your organization. Are or, you know, everybody wants to get it. So it's this organizational wise thing, but getting everybody in the IT system of a bank to actually agree that that's an exercise in futility. If you want to talk about banging your head on the wall. Right. So th- there's really a question on, you know, look, I, as simple as it, as it may be, like what, what's step a, B and C and, you know, How do we actually get you that thing you're looking for now, so that it sets you up to be successful in in, in the future? You know, there's lots of different technologies that you can apply. It's figuring out what's the right one given where you are to accelerate you to the to the next step.
1: Absolutely, I. I I, You're
0: articulate enough on that. I see
1: a lot of people tripping up on exactly those things you're talking about, and and. I often say to them, look, you know, it's, it's frustrating. You've got to go through these steps. You've got to walk through these baby steps, get it right. Uh, you've got to change the whole cultural space. You've got to change behavioral space. You've got to get the organization thinking yep. about this. You can't just drop – because some of these things are really big. You can't just drop a tool in place and expect uh, everyone just to be happy with it. And I also see people challenge with generational shift, and that is that, you know, a lot of large organizations, and I know Broadcom's going to be in that space – there's as many as five different age group and generations in there, sort of the boomers and the Gen X and the, the sort of the yeah. Gen Ys and the Gen Zs now and then the millennials across the top of it. And then, you know, I think there's a bunch of other age groups in there that we haven't tagged uh, appropriately, but in a number of big companies I work with say, well, we just don't know how to deal with this generational challenge that some people want to walk around with a pen and paper and other people want to walk around with a smartphone. Some people expect us to give them a phone when they join the company and other people uh, just expect BYOD. And, you know, these days I sort of say, well, there is no one right answer. You've got to just find a balance because um, there's a challenge of hiring new people who have got one way of thinking because they've grown up with a smartphone and they've, they've been cloud natives and digital natives all their lives. Uh, and then again, at the other end of the spectrum, if you want someone that's got 20 years of experience, they, they probably want you to provide a laptop and a phone. Um, so I think you're right. It's so critical to get those foundational components built and built right, and and tr- and that transformation be done in an iterative process, so that people can adopt it and understand it and it makes sense. Because otherwise, no one's going to adhere to it. Because it, you know, we, we we're all human. We all have our own uh, view on these things. But I think the general sense is that people like to experience that whole process of learning to crawl, then learn, learn to walk, and then learn to run, and then learn to sprint. Uh, and and you've got to then change. You know, like I often say to people. When we train for things, we develop muscle memory. We learn how to do something. You know, when was the last time you sort of thought twice about uh, even simple things like opening a door handle? You just know where it is. Um, but the first time, yep. you know, our daughter's learning to drive, and she has to learn how to even just open the door handle and get in the car and put the seatbelt on. But I just do that through muscle memory. And I think companies have to understand that. And so often, I dumb it down to those components, as you were talking about. Of, Getting the foundation right. I remember a great anecdote about a company putting a website in front of a mainframe, and they were like, yay, and they championed it. was a big marketing campaign. The day it went live, no one could use it. And uh, when we looked at their testing regime, about 20 people in the back room tested it, and it worked, but they never put 20,000 people in front of it, and they forgot they had 20,000 customers. Um, and they had to go back to grassroots and say, okay, well, let's turn it off. So they did a marketing campaign and Monday to, la- Monday to launch it. On Tuesday, they announced that they had some difficulties, and they had to shut it down. I was like, "Wow, you know, best case scenario, worst case scenario in 24 hours." Um, But once we get these foundational components right, uh, some big things can happen, and I think this is where we've got some exciting uh, capabilities that the likes of yourself and your team can bring uh, into organisations to help them walk through that. Because I imagine it's the case—and correct me if I'm wrong—but I imagine this case: a lot of big organisations come to you saying, "We have an idea, we know it's possible, we are, let's say, a bank or an airline." Uh, you're a tech company, you're a software company, you know the hard one underneath it. How do we get there? How do we walk from zero to hero? Walk us through the steps. Help us with that advisory component. Help us build that cultural shift and behavioral shift. What changes do we need to need? Um, Where are some of those big changes happening at the moment? What what are some of the things that people are coming to you saying? We we, we are X. We're, I don't know, let's say a bank or a retail company. Um, When we talk about that sort of moving up the maturity curve and adopting technology... Is there a trend? Is there a commonality there, or is, is it a case that's just right across the spectrum?
0: I, I think we see a lot of commonality when you're talking about where people sit in terms of the goals they're trying to achieve, right? So, and 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 sort of the struggles that, that 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 they're dealing with, but it, I it, it is a bit of cultural change in, in terms of moving forward, right? So I, I think, especially in these large enterprises, there's there's a lot of push and pull between maybe the, the old style of, you know, we all have to do it the same way versus the, the newer, I mean, what you said, sort of, you know, let's try it and figure out if it fails, right? I, I think what we're, what a lot of people come to us talking about is, you know, I, I know I have these issues. I know I have these these problems. I have these pain points. You know what technology do you have that you can leverage to help them go away but but also how can you make me successful in using it right and so it is like that advisor role that you were looking that you' were talking about you know I, a lot of what I see going on is the de siloification if that's even a word that's a great right? point. So people are <laughs> the, 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 the 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 team structures are really shifting and breaking down you know, there was there was one large customer I, I, I talked to, he, this person said, you know, I used to be the CICS person, and then the MQ person retired, and so now I'm the CICS and the MQ person, and then, you know, then the, the network person retired, so now I'm all three of those, right? The hats keep just growing. And as those roles and responsibilities shift, I think people are looking for new new ways of working and new tools, right, I and mean, new solutions. I mean, change is what's really, I think, driving some of that, and, and a lot of it." that we get questions about is, you know, how, how can I make it work? It, it, I don't want to keep just buying stuff and keeping on the shelf. I want to drive to some success. We don't just want to see what you have in terms of technology. We want to see your plan for helping us drive success using it. Um, did I hit your question quite right or did I, Dan? Yeah, around no, it? absolutely. I'm not sure. No, no, that's perfect. Yeah, I, I,
1: it is that everlasting challenge in business of any form and that is, that, you know, how to get more with less um, and, uh, you know, as you said earlier, budgets are getting tighter. Uh, and that, and they're doing ne- that necessarily, uh, not, not because people are getting uh, more wisely with their money, but they're just being challenged with having to spend the same dollar across many, many places. That, uh, you know, now we've got a much bigger challenge at the front end with the consumers wanting uh, so many uh, different types of services and different interactions. We've got cybersecurity attacking them. We've got massive... Uh, changes coming about with the whole digital transformation requirement just to to stay current. We've got 5G and other things coming out. And uh, when you think about all these big changes, I mean, I I would hate to be a CIO now or something to that effect when you've got big data and analytics and artificial intelligence and machine learning and 5G and all these things coming along, uh, having just found my feet with cloud and DevOps and automation. And it must just be a a heady experience now. I'm glad I'm out of that space um, one, of the, one of the things I'd love to do before we wrap up is I often ask my, my guests to sort of do a little bit of crystal ball gazing. I hope you don't mind me asking this, but um, as a final question for you, with all of that in mind, because you've given us some great insights on what's happening around that whole challenge of digital transformation and, and its influence on on the whole enterprise IT space and where uh, the whole automation space is at with regard to the fact that we're not necessarily seeing Skynet take over the world because I don't think it would drive a car and, and be able to get to us anyway, but um, where machine learning is being leveraged. And and kind of where we're at generally in the maturity curve as far as adopting the technologies and changing the way that we work. But um, where are we going to be in the next 12 to 18 months? If I was to hand you a virtual crystal ball as a, a wrap-up question, um, uh, where do you see us in the next year and a half or so with some of these things that you're working with now in Broadcom and, and your strategic role more than anything? Um, where where are we going to? What's the, What direction do you see us heading in? What's your gut feel in that space?
0: So I guess we're... Where I, where I hear a lot of pain from customers and and, and our, even our, ourselves in, in this company, right, is is the, the dividing lines between various teams, between various products, between various platforms, between various environments, right? I, I think there's there's a lot of especially in these large country, co- countries countries, <laughs> companies hierarchy, right, <laughs> but. I think what, what what's happening is we're, we're, what we're realizing is that you know teams like to work in their way, and they can choose sort of their own set of things to to iterate on and get better on. And then there's you know a one tier up, right? And it's it's how do I do better in my job? How do I do better in the, the, making the people around me better? And how do I how do I interact? And so I, I think there's going to be continued iteration on trying to pick these up. There, there's going to be realization that I, there's not one solution. There's going to be a set of different things, and it's, it's okay if different teams and different projects and different you know, applications are, are at different places. It's really about how do we measure and how do we drive improvement of these systems to get the, the entire boat rising, kind of t- so to speak, right? It's going to be re- continued evolution. We're trying to figure out what we want to prioritize and knock down, and people are going to be getting better at at sort of figuring out what that next step is, taking that next step, and then having the plan for step two, three, and four. So I, I guess in general, it's we're going to continue to get faster, right? We have to, or else we're we're going to we're going to die in in a lot of these companies. And so they're going to figure out one way or another how to get that velocity of change moving, and and get better at responding to it as opposed to it catching fire. If, if that makes
1: any sense. No, absolutely. It does. In fact, uh, it reminds me of the phrase of don't try and uh, swallow the ocean, just take it a mouthful at a time. And I think that's a, yep. a perfect note for people to uh, for us to wrap up on. But um, David Myers, it's been fantastic to, uh, to catch up with you. Thank you so much for making time to, to uh, jump in the studio with us. And I, I loved some of your insights you've shared. Really fantastic to have you here and uh, appreciated your time. Thanks, Des. Love to do again at
0: some point.